Welcome to another UCTV.TV podcast presented by University of California Television. Thanks to the organizers for uh, inviting me to participate in this symposium. Uh, I've really been enjoying sitting uh, in the seats like a fan, uh, learning a lot about the cutting edge in uh, um, understanding human brain evolution, and it's, uh, it's very inci- exciting indeed. So the organizers have given me the job of talking about cortical microstructure uh, and possible human specializations. Microstructure refers to the very fine anatomy of the cerebral cortex that can only be seen by cutting thin sections and looking at them under a, a microscope. Uh, it's a level below uh, gross anatomy, which can be observed with the naked eye or an MRI scanner. Um, and it's a level of organization perhaps above uh, uh, molecular uh, expression in tissues that is often studied by, by grinding it up or homo- homogenizing tissue. Um, but it's a, a, a very important level of organization in which cells interact with one another and circuits are formed. So chimpanzees and other great apes are our closest living relatives Um, and they resemble us in many ways. Yet human psychology is distinctive from uh, the great apes in important respects, and the mission that unites all of us in the symposium today is that we want to understand the neural changes that correlate with human cognitive evolution. And what you see here is just a partial list of proposed human psychological specializations, Um, from a book by uh, the the philosopher Peter Carruthers and includes things like gossip, um, language, mind reading, etc. Things that we're familiar with from our own mental life. In studying human brains compared to the brains of other species, then ideally what we'd like to know is how did the genotype and the brain phenotype change to support the evolution of modern human behavior and cognition. This, of course, is a very ambitious research program that uh, requires a lot of collaboration and interdisciplinary science. And uh, this is just a list of the sorts of things that one would like to be able to detail as differences between the human brain phenotype and the phenotype of uh, uh, chimpanzees, great apes, and other primates, and then to begin to link some of those changes in brain phenotype to those cognitive psychological specializations. So one neural change of great significance must be increased neocortical size and changes to its organization. Humans have freakishly large brains compared to our body size. They're estimated to be about three and a half times larger than one would expect for a primate of our body size. And uh, um, indeed, the brain of uh, fossil hominins has been shown to triple in size within roughly the last two and a half, three three million years with an accelerating rate. Most of this growth in size is disproportionately due to enlargement of uh, um, the neocortex, which is what you see in this slide, it's the outer wrinkled surface of the brain in humans and chimpanzees, and it comprises about 80% of brain mass in humans. And you can see that very nicely in the next slide, where uh, you have a cross-section through the mid-portion of the brain. It's a coronal section, unstained. And you can see the neocortex here, including uh, the gray matter, which is this outer uh, mantle which contains cell bodies, and then the inner white matter of myelinated axon fiber connections, and it represents a very large fraction of this brain section. 
the gray matter of the neocortex has a particular architecture that can be appreciated under the microscope. So if you take a region like this and uh, you stain it, put it under the microscope, um, what you see here blown up is about the size of, of your pinky nail um, in thickness, not very large. And this is comparing a macaque, chimpanzee, and human primary somatosensory cortex. You can see that neurons are arranged in stacks, about a couple of hundred uh, neurons deep, somewhere between two and 300 neurons, depending on the cortical region, depending on the species. And there are regular patterns of variation in the uh, size of the neurons between layers and the packing density of neurons between layers. And this allows researchers to recognize and subdivide the uh, layers of the cortex into six subdivisions. I should point out that each layer within the cortex then has a really stereotypical pattern of input and output connections. As you go across regions of the cerebral cortex within an animal, within a brain, uh, there are also distinct differences in the morphology of the microstructure of the cortex. So this is just from one uh, orangutan brain showing primary motor cortex with very large distinctive output neurons called uh, BET cells scattered in layer five in comparison to primary visual cortex, which has an elaboration of sublamina in layer four, which is the, the part that receives uh, inputs conveyed by the thalamus. So distinct differences across the neocortex uh, occur in cellular architecture, which correlates with differences in myelination, patterns of gene expression, connectivity, and function. So you can look at the microscopic anatomy uh, of sections of the brain, of the neocortex, to get some insight uh, into uh, changes in circuitry and function. Some regions can be easily recognized across species as homologous, uh, in a large range of mammals based on uh, those features. Others are more recently parcellated and subdivided in particular branches of evolution. In primates in particular, we've seen the proliferation of many different separate visual areas with distinct uh, architectonic signatures, uh, which reflects the uh, enhanced um, specialization for vision within our lineage. And there's also elaboration of many more prefrontal areas in primates, which are important in guiding motor plans and decisions. Making. And what I want to point out here is that um, from looking at that kind of cell architecture and other uh, markers, uh, one can draw homologies between uh, cortical area subdivisions across species. And indeed, in humans and macaque monkeys, there are homologs or uh, similar uh, um, cortical areas defined by common descent uh, that have been defined. And there are very few, if any, well-recognized, brand-new cortical areas in human brain evolution. So most of what our neocortex does is built upon modifications of intrinsic circuitry in cortical areas or rewiring that, um, um, that uh, um, connectivity or changes in cell architecture or cell numbers. Okay, so using microstructure as a guide then to parcelate different cortical areas. Um, you can define distinct zones of the cerebral cortical mantle. Uh, here are regions uh, of the inferior frontal cortex, uh, which are homologs in chimpanzee of Broca's area. And they can be mapped across a series of sections and volumes and total numbers of neurons extracted. And uh, my lab and uh, uh, other researchers have, have done this with several particular cortical areas uh, in humans and chimpanzees and some other great apes. And so the next slide shows uh, a summary of some of those, those results. And what you see in this slide is uh, the total list of particular cortical areas so far 
studied, defined by architectonic microstructural definitions, and the size difference between humans and chimpanzees. So how many times bigger is this defined cortical area in a human as compared to a chimp? And uh, they're color-coded and rank-ordered from the least expanded to the most expanded. What you'll see is that overall neocortical gray matter is about four times bigger in humans than chimps, so perhaps we can take that as our standard here. So areas like Wernicke's area, homolog, area TPT in the left hemisphere, which is certainly important for language function in humans, is not differentially expanded expanded in the human neocortex. However, uh, some of the most differentially expanded include regions in the frontal lobe, in the prefrontal cortex, uh, like area 44 and 45, which are components of Broca's area, important for speech, uh, and also area 10, which is the frontal polar cortex, uh, which is very important for undertaking initiative and very long-term abstract planning. Um, Putting those uh, full difference data onto uh, a map of the cerebral cortical surface uh, from Broadman. Here's what you see. Notably, there are vast stretches of the cerebral cortex in humans that we don't have any color coding for, indicating that we simply don't have the comparative data yet in grade apes. So this is severely lacking. Uh, collaborative sort of data uh, of the sort that Jim Rilling was talking about based on MRI might suggest that there's uh, expansion in certain areas like the temporal cortex, but uh, we don't have uh, um, precise um, subdivisions of those cortical zones yet defined. Uh, but interestingly, this pattern of differential region enlargement uh, does match relatively well with what's known from uh, comparisons of warping the cortical surface uh, of macaque monkey into human. And looking at the amount of disproportionate enlargement of that cortical surface is really concentrated in the association cortical areas of the frontal lobe, parietal lobe, and temporal lobe. So this is just reinforcing the things that Jim Rilling, Katarina, Simondefri have already been talking about, that uh, uh, while primary sensory motor areas like the primary uh, sensory cortex, primary visual cortex, don't show such great expansion in human neocortical evolution. It is the association areas that do. And interestingly, uh, comparing the differential uh, deformation of the cortical surface from human infancy to adulthood, there is a very similar pattern as well, suggesting that this is based on some underlying uh, um, conserved developmental regulatory mechanisms. Okay, so... Now I want to talk a little bit about specializations of the intrinsic cytoarchitectonic organization within cortical areas. Uh, changes in the relative cortical area size are an important part of the story of human neocortical specialization, but it's also possible that the internal cellular organization and connectivity of re- regions might have changed in uh, humans. So what you see here is a panel of uh, a number of different cortical areas of interest indicated here by, uh, by numbers and shown on the map up here from a human brain uh, in humans and chimpanzees. This is a cell body stain, uh, which shows you the distribution of just neurons. Somewhat similar to the data that Katarina Semendefri was just talking about, in our lab, we've recently been undertaking an examination of a large sample of 12 humans, 12 chimpanzee brains, studying those six cortical areas across the neocortex in both hemispheres and looking at uh, the neuropil fraction within the gray matter of the cerebral cortex. This is an example of chimpanzee uh, motor cortex and uh, the systematic random sampling of image frames collected. Uh, uh, High magnification view, you can see the cell bodies of neurons and glia. And the unstained 
portions in between correspond to what I, I call here the neuropil fraction. That is composed of uh, dendrites, axons, synapses, and microvasculature. You can t- then take these images, turn them into a binary, and calculate the amount of space in between cell bodies, which corresponds to that space available for interconnectivity, the neuropil fraction. When you do this across uh, all those areas, both hemispheres, in humans and chimpanzees, uh, this, is, this is what you see. Notably, in chimpanzees, all cortical areas have similar neuropil fraction, similar space for interconnectivity, except that primary auditory cortex actually is a little bit lower statistically as compared to the other regions. In humans, it's a very different pattern. Um, We again find that uh, frontal polar cortex has more space for interconnectivity. And here also uh, area FI, the frontoinsular cortex, which contains very interesting neurons called uh, von Economo neurons, which are important for the integration of uh, emotional signals and and decision making. Uh, Here also in humans shows more space for interconnectivity. Uh, Interestingly, this part of Broca's area, also part of the prefrontal cortex, doesn't show this differential increase in neuropil fraction suggesting that this is selective by region, and it's also notable that uh, uh, this variable does not correlate with overall brain size, so this may not just be a scaling correlate. So what is potentially driving uh, this proxy measure for interconnectedness within these cortical areas and this evident specialization of prefrontal circuitry? Well, um, uh, you've already seen some images uh, of, of the kind of increased elaboration of prefrontal neurons in humans. Uh, they've got greater uh, dendritic arborization, a greater density of spines. Uh, this has been known from doing uh, silver impregnation studies of uh, neurons in human postmortem tissues. Uh, these neurons in the prefrontal cortex in layer three are more complex than neurons in primary visual cortex. These neurons, which you can study, are called pyramidal neurons because they have this kind of triangular shape soma, and they represent uh, the majority of neurons in the cerebral cortex, around 75-80% of them, and uh, they're uh, the ones that uh, are excitatory and have outgoing projections away um, from the cerebral cortex. So we've been studying this in chimpanzees as well to see whether this uh, um, increased dendritic arborization, increased uh, synaptic spine density in the prefrontal cortex is in fact unique to humans. And here's an example of uh, Golgi impregnation of a chimpanzee neuron and uh, a close-up of of a view of a dendritic shaft showing those uh, um, spine protrusions. Um, We trace these under the microscope and we're able to create three-dimensional reconstructions where we can analyze this geometric data. The summary of the results is that... uh, um, Uh, The study is ongoing, but we have a lot of samples already done, and chimpanzees are very much like humans in showing this increased uh, complexity of neurons in the prefrontal cortex in layer three. So it's possible that this signal we're picking up with increased neuropil fraction, increased interconnectivity selectively in these parts of the prefrontal cortex in humans uh, is due to uh, increased elaboration of neurons in other layers or maybe a greater magnitude of elaboration, but this general pattern is present in chimpanzees as well. Okay, so we can also look at other specializations of cell types, innervation, and biochemistry. So just very briefly, in addition to uh, the majority of those neurons in the cerebral cortex, which are excitatory, pyramidal-shaped neurons, also a significant number, around 20 or 30%, depending on the region, depending on the species, are local inhibitory 
uh, neurons that express the neurotransmitter GABA. Um, they make short-range projections, and they synapse um, on uh, projection neurons as well as on one another. They can be defined based on differences in morphology, connectivity, uh, physiology, and uh, gene expression. Uh, importantly, uh, some of these parvalbumin-positive neurons, which uh, have very widespread horizontal uh, arbors, seem to be very important in uh, managing uh, spike timing and synchronicity among uh, cortical circuits. Um, they show uh, uh, depletions in their numbers and other dysfunctions in neuropsychiatric disorders that have cognitive impairments like uh, schizophrenia. So they're situated perfectly um, at the interface of uh, managing uh, cortical um, cognitive functions. Um, you can look at these under the microscope uh, and, and count their numbers in different species. Here we've done this in humans, chimpanzees, macaques, a number of different frontal lobe areas, including those important for language in the medial prefrontal cortex, uh, area that is uh, consistently shown to be involved in uh, um, functional imaging studies for theory of mind, mental state attribution, which is perhaps uh, unique in, uh, or uniquely specialized in humans. And long story short, these GABAergic inhibitory interneuron circuits in humans are not any different than what you see in their distribution uh, in chimpanzees and macaques. Neither the long vertical uh, projecting intracolumnar types nor the horizontally widespread transcolumnar types. Thus, it appears that human cognitive specializations uh, of the functions supported by these cortical regions are built on a foundation of conserved inhibitory interneuron distributions and circuits. There are a couple other markers that you can also look at. Um, um, the cerebral cortex receives uh, innervation from subcortical areas uh, that supply neuromodulators like dopamine, uh, acetylcholine, and serotonin. And uh, these uh, um, modulate the um, receptivity of uh, neuronal circuits. They're very important for attention, learning, and memory function in the prefrontal cortex, also affect in neuropsychiatric disorders. And uh, we have found that uh, um, humans and chimpanzees together actually share greater um, neuromodulator innervation supply in the prefrontal cortex in comparison to macaque monkeys. So this appears to be a, a human uh, chimpanzee, perhaps a great ape specialization of prefrontal circuits. Um, and also, you're going to hear about this um, in, in uh, two talks from now, so I'm not going to belabor this. There's also, uniquely in the human great ape clade, uh, increased densities of von Economo neurons, which are important for uh, social cognition. Um, and perhaps it's no coincidence, then, that we share important similarities in microstructure with our close cousins, the great apes. Um, these sorts of uh, uh, similarities might correlate with similarities, enhancements of learning, attention, and social cognition, uh, which underlie um, um, things that you can see in great apes that bear some resemblance to ourselves. Uh, highly attentive social learning, leading uh, to, tr to traditions in behavior uh, and regional variation uh, in, in uh, uh, these sorts of uh, activities like, like nutcracking, hunting, um, um, termite fishing, and even grooming practices. So to conclude, 
in this talk, I just wanted to highlight the fact that uh, human neocortical microstructure uh, has certainly shown evidence of, of modification along numerous branch points in the lineage, ultimately leading to ourselves. And it's important, I think, to recognize the adaptive roots of these specializations, uh, not only always focusing on the human terminal branch. Uh, yet there are some distinctive features of human neocortical microcircuitry uh, that, that one might uh, look for that would correlate with uh, cognitive specializations. Um, I'd like to acknowledge uh, um, many different uh, um, institutions for providing tissue, which is critical for doing this kind of research. Uh, many collaborators involved uh, directly with this research, uh, people in the lab and funding agencies. And, and thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.